What's going on, guys? Welcome to episode five of Splitting Uprights. And today's episode is special because it marks our first ever guest appearance. And I could not think of someone more worthy to have on as our first guest than Texas's own and our own teammate, Gage Opal. Gage, we've been wanting to have you on for a long time. We actually started this podcast with you in mind because, you know, we you're one of us in a way. So thanks for coming on, dude. No problem, guys. Thanks for having me. You see, uh, you see what Drew just did. Yeah, Up the Cowboys. I, I, yeah, I'm sure you put on a an, an Odell shirt. It's nice that you, you know you picked a guy that doesn't even play for the Giants anymore because they're so fucking garbage. Listen, my guy, I don't have the choice. I don't have the pleasure of being able to switch jerseys every year. I got to stick with the same assholes who I pick. That's <laughs> <laughs> so why you pick the ones that you think will stay. I thought Odell would be there forever. What do you mean? Why would they give up that guy? That dude's crazy, bro. Yeah, it's a trash organization. Daniel Brown did with the Patriots. How many unwed mothers do you think Odell has left with bastard children? Uh, Google might know the answer to that. I bet I'm sure it's I'm sure that is number's it, out there. Thirteen. Ten and a half. Is that hundred? So Drew, why why do we have Gage on today? Today is a special segment where we get to roast Gage for being a Cowboys fan. Uh, we, we talked about it earlier this week that we were going to bring on a, our Cowboys executive and rip him up for being a Cowboys fan, and, uh, but also allow, allow us to see the NFL through the eyes of a Cowboys fan. Well, You're all beneath me. There's only one team in all of our – in our hemisphere, in our sphere, that I actually think could maybe compete with the Cowboys, and that's the Colts. Fuck I mean, yeah, baby. To be honest, if they had a quarterback that was worth a damn, then they, in my, I would take the Colts over the Cowboys. But right now, I think Gage is supporting the best team in this here. So. I really think that the, the argument could be made that probably the Steelers are probably the next best team at this very moment. Wow, fuck off. How, yeah. how trash, hey Drew? How trash does your organization have to be for your quarterback to call it quits that early in the career? I had nothing to do with the organization, my guy. Okay, we were on the right path. All I had to do was was, was Andrew Luck was ready to be done. I understand his first couple of years he he was getting hit, but it's all right. At least my quarterback doesn't want forty million a year after being trash for basically three his you know his three four years in the league. Top five statistical quarterback in the league, Drew. Hey, does he have a ring? No. How, how, many, years has, how many years has he made the playoffs? Uh, what are we, two, two or three times? Two times, I think. I'm just saying. Hey, Luck was right there. We'd be Super Bowl contenders right now if Luck was here. Yeah, okay. Sure. I'll hold on to that pipe dream. <laughs> I'm with Drew. I think, they, I think they'd be pretty decent. But to call Dak – a trash quarterback. I couldn't mean, even make it out of the playoff record, but even, bro, Houston beats y'all's cheeks every year. There's no way. Hey, listen, man, it's all right. At least I don't have to make the playoffs every year. Going eight and eight, nine and seven. At least, hey, I, at least, at least I made the playoffs. Whenever my we team, we get in, we get in how we get in. Hey, all I'm saying is the Eagles shouldn't have made the playoffs out of the NFC East, and look where you at. I, you I can't know? argue that because they had no business making it out. Yeah. Pookie, that was your motto for your sex life, right? You get in how you get in. 
you could you could say that. I mean, if I had to find a way in, it, it could be you know like some Tom Cruise Mission Impossible dodging the lasers and the bank ball shit, wow. or you be like and Ben Affleck in the town and just go in running and gunning. So I have every way possible that I can get in there. Uh, so sometimes it just doesn't work out too well for me when they say no. Hey, how is uh, what's life like as a Cowboys fan right now? How are you feeling? Optimistic, I guess. Because I've all right. So, so y'all have known me for a while, and uh, I've been shitting on the coaching staff in the uh, front office for a while, and so I've I put a lot of stock into the fact that I don't think it's the players. I think it's the fucking coaching that sucks. And so now we got new coaching. Management may still be a, you know horrible, but depending on how they do this year, you know, with a new coach. If they suck, then, you know, then it's time to examine the players. I, I, but I genuinely don't think it's the players. I, I genuinely thought it's bad coaching. So if they do good, you know, I'm right and I'm happy. But if they suck, then I'm like, all right, yeah, let's take a look at these players. Maybe let's not offer Dak 40 mil a year. Do you see a scenario in which Dak Prescott does not agree to a contract this year? No, I actually don't. I think they'll. I think they'll figure something out. Because what has he said no to? He said no to thirty-seven a year. Was it something was like that? Thirty-five to thirty-seven. Yeah. Yeah. He said. He said no to something like that, which is fine. Like you know, if he wants that money, this is the year to earn it. And so if he starts, play, if he plays really well, I don't have a problem paying him that at all. But if he, but if you know, he's shit in the bed, and we're going eight and eight again with a whole new system, then we, you know, we have to have a conversation at that point. If, if y'all go eight and eight, yeah, uh, that's, that's unacceptable for the, uh, that roster, in my opinion. Do you, well, we, do you, we, sorry, Pookie, go ahead. Do you think that Mike McCarthy could tr- turn the team around? I mean, Jason Garrett, I had more respect for him as a coach than uh, a lot of people do. So I was kind of like, I still sort of believed in him a little bit, but, do you think that Mike McCarthy can do a better job in his first year than Jason Garrett? Yeah, I, I do. Because I think Mike McCarthy is more of a coach. I think Jason Garrett's a good coordinator. I don't think he's a good head coach. So I think Mike McCarthy – I think Mike McCarthy will do a better job. Well, what do you think with Mike when it comes to his relationship he had with Aaron Rodgers his last couple of years in Green Bay? I mean, it wasn't – it was kind of – kind of looked at it was a bad relationship towards the end and do you think having a young quarterback like Dak someone who wants that money do you think that'll have any like I guess faults coming in I mean I'm sure there'll be some disconnect because like it's you know it's a whole new it's a whole new coach coming in you know Jason Garrett's been a guy that he's worked with his whole career as in debt in terms of Dak Prescott and so you know a new guy coming in there's obviously going to be some you know, there's going to be a learning curve for sure and it may look a little rocky at first but like you know, that's what the preseason is for—is ironing out that kind of stuff. Um, and you know, I I never looked at when I looked when I watched Mike McCarthy coach, I hated the Packers, so I always looked at him with contempt. Um, but you know, now looking at it, I wanted you know, I'm, I'm sure I'm speaking for a lot of Cowboys fans here. I've wanted change for a long time as far as coaching goes, and so I'm definitely willing to give him a chance. Do you think? Do you think Jerry Jones never wanted to move on because his uh, his um, his was it his daughter? Or someone was getting piped by Jason Garrett. Are they like married or something? Yeah. 
I don't know. I don't know what Jerry's deal is with coaches. It's so weird. Like with the with the whole Jimmy Johnson thing. Like Jimmy Johnson's probably a top ten football coach of all time. And he was. I mean, he was. And they were. They they literally grew up together. They were roommates in college and stuff like that. And Jerry wanted to. After what was it? Two Super Bowls in three years. Jerry kicked his ass to the curb, and that was it. And so I I don't know what Jerry's deal is as far as what his mindset is when it comes to meeting with coaches. But I, I mean, I I can't tell you what it was. That's the only explanation I think that, or I have a theory <laughs> that, that Jason Garrett, because Jason Garrett played on the Cowboys back in the day. So my theory is that Jason Garrett knows, knew some crazy shit about Jerry Jones. And it had to have been real bad because with the amount of stuff that Jerry Jones like lets be known about him publicly, it must have been pretty bad for him to have kept his job for so long. Are you saying he has dirt? You think Jason oh, yeah. has dirt on Jerry? Wow. I mean, he's married into the family, dude. Like, what do you? What do you? He know, he probably knows a lot about. Yeah, they, I mean, yeah, yeah. Like, think about it. So Jerry, Jerry is your GM. He's also your father-in-law. Which means not only do you have a front row seat to his shit show when you're at work, you also have a front row seat to it in your personal life. Agreed. What could what could what could he possibly know that Jerry Jones would say, nah, this cannot get out? Like what what is it that can't get out? A lot. <laughs> I mean Jerry fucking Jones, he has a lot, he has a lot going on in his life. He has a lot of money. That's well, a lot like living in Dallas. My thing is, I think it had probably had to do with like something that probably would have gotten him in legal trouble with the league, because like Jerry doesn't care about hookers and prostitutes and all that. As the not, you know. The, do you think he had a couple on draft night? What do you mean a, a couple? Like a some like a some, some ladies? Or, oh no 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 no! Because no, because no, his wife on his yacht. No. <laughs> Although he is a he he is a pimp though, because you see how like he didn't even hold the phone whenever he was calling. Uh, mm-hmm. He was calling recruits. Yeah. <laughs> True that. He is a pimp, man. We, we've talked about it many times. To make draft picks on that yacht was a big baller move, man. And he was flexing on the entire league. I, yeah, I think he was too. Speaking of the draft, I really think it was – I think it was his best draft in, in a couple years. Yeah, agreed. I we We've given props to them that – I think with them, with CeeDee Lamb falling to him, I think they took the best player available. We've we've all in agreeing that they probably didn't need CeeDee Lamb, but um, at that position to get a player to also steal him at the same time from the Eagles because that's who they were trying to look at getting. Uh, it was kind of killing two birds with one stone in mm-hmm. a sense. Um, now, I don't know how – we talked about we don't know how – much win percentage he has this year and how and in the, some of those tighter games we don't know if he's gonna make that much of a difference we thought maybe adding a, a pass rusher or a db would be more beneficial because they're they're weaker there i uh when going into the draft like i wanted i wanted a db and then i also wanted alignment which i don't trust jerry jones you know this draft excluded i don't trust jerry when it comes to skill position players a lot but when he wants to draft a no lineman i'm usually pretty okay with it and with Travis Frederick saying that he was out, I definitely thought, like, okay, priority is definitely, you know, um, the DBs. And then I think we need another lineman, especially since, you know, we have an all-pro center walking out the door. 
but I agree, like, you know, C.D. Lamb dropping it, like, you, you can't pass that up. All right, Gage, so we'll, we'll leave the draft, and let's talk about players you actually have on your roster right now. And obviously all the talk in Dallas has been about Dak Prescott and such. And I was actually thinking about this today while I was mowing the lawn, because that's where you get your best ideas, right? Is um, would you rather have Dak on a four-year, $160 million contract or sign Aaron Rodgers to a two-year, $60 million contract? Okay, well, I see there's definitely two sides to that argument because I definitely understand how both could work. Aaron Rodgers has won a Super Bowl. He, he clearly knows what he's doing. Him and Mike McCarthy may not have a great history, but they have a history. Um, and so the learning curve is definitely smaller than it would be with Dak. And I think – I think you would see a lot of success, but I mean, Aaron's closer to the end of his career than he is the beginning. Dak's closer to the beginning than he is to the end. I think for long-term success, I would rather pay Dak. If it came down to it, I would rather pay Dak. Um, Also, I mean, because Dak's durable. I mean, he hasn't missed, he's what, missed one game or something like, or he hasn't missed a single game in his career so far. So the man's at least durable. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I would say Dak. If it came down to it, I'd rather pay Dak. But here's my thing with, with Dak. It's like I didn't have any problem with him whatsoever. I thought he, he has played pretty solidly in, in the games that they've lost. It hasn't always been his fault. I mean, yeah, he misses throws sometimes, but who doesn't? I mean, and what happens when you play the hand of God, which is Aaron Rodgers? I mean, you're going to get – Beat, unfortunately. That's what happens. He always finds yeah. a way to beat y'all. But. I, he does. I've, uh, yeah, I've, I've, I've bared witness to it. Remember uh, a couple years ago as, when they were playing the Cowboys in the playoffs in Cowboys Stadium? I remember we scored. There was like, there was like one left on the clock, like 2.14 left on the clock. I was like, that's, that's too much time. And sure. And Byron Jones can't cover a goddamn tight end for 30 yards down the field. And we give it up. And then Mason Crosby hits a fucking field goal when we lose. I'll never forget that. But, so, man, when, so, how old do you think Dak Prescott will be when he wins his first Super Bowl? What, how old is he right now? He's 23. Um, is he 23? He's the same age as Zeke, isn't he? Zeke's 24. So, he's probably 24 or 25. I bet, I bet he wins one before he's 30. I don't. I, I doubt the Cowboys won a Super Bowl while he's their quarterback. And it's not because I don't believe in Dak as an organization or as a quarterback. I believe if you're going to pay Dak $40 million a year or however much he wants, you lose so many other options of signing elsewhere that are make your team better. The only player I see that makes it reasonable to sign him that much is a Patty Mahomes because I think he can do it with anyone. And Dak's not on that level. Dak's not even an elite quarterback to me. Like it's it's like Patrick Mahomes, then you have elite quarterbacks, and then Dak's on that third tier for me. And I don't, I think he needs more than just him for them to win a Super Bowl in Dallas, at least. I mean, I think this is the best team he'll probably have around him. I mean, first, I mean, even though this isn't even the best O line in the last five years that he'll have, I mean, he's still got Zeke, which is. I mean, it's, 
I mean, this is going to sound like Cowboys bias, but I really do think Zeke is probably the best running back in the league. Um, it's got a great receiving core. It's probably it's not the best in the league because I think Tampa Bay owns the best receiving core in the league. But um, I mean, Amari, you add C.D. Lamb. I think once him and Gallup get on the right fucking page, they'll be unstoppable. Um, I think Blake Jarwin's coming into his own. Um, so, but I mean, I think you know, and those are all young guys for the most part too. So I think if they can keep, I understand like you know the whole the, the salary problem. I I hope they meet in the middle on it because if they do, I think it'll be really good for the next couple of years, and I think we'll have a real chance to win the Super Bowl. My only thing is he's not worth the money. He's not. I mean, it's, it's just plain plain and simple. He's not worth what I think he's in that range for. I mean, what does he do with the tag? 32, 33? Yeah, something like that. What is it? It's the average of all the top five to players. Me, that's position. damn solid. That's damn solid for a guy who's not even on his second contract yet. Like, I don't know. I mean, he could take the route of as a Kirk Cousins did where they franchise tagged him for, you know, two, three years like the Redskins, and then he goes signs a big deal. You know, obviously you want him to sign with the Cowboys. But, I mean, in my opinion, I like right now this roster, if Dak for some reason was to be gone, he went to Cancun, never came back, and Andy Dalton was your quarterback, I still believe you're in, oh, in the same boat, but probably two less wins uh, that are, that'll be losses. I think with our schedule, I think the dream, I think the best case scenario for our us on this schedule, if everything goes right, is eleven and five, and I think the worst we could possibly do was six and ten. I think that would be the worst we could possibly do. I think the I was talking a lot of shit about the Andy Dalton signing because it was like in my head it was like putting pressure on Dak, but I really see it more as like an insurance policy, which isn't a bad one because I mean. I guess Andy Dalton, because I don't watch a lot of Cincinnati Bengals football, and who the hell does? No people one in Cincinnati, does. Yeah, Cincinnati, people in Cincinnati don't watch Cincinnati Bengals football. <laughs> well, they might this year because of Joe fucking Burrow, but. there were, I mean, he had, what, two years where they looked okay, and he was playing okay. But that he's been playing for one of the worst franchises that I've seen in my lifetime. I mean, it's so inept. The offensive line is as bad as I've seen. The receiving core is next to nothing when A.J. Green's out. Tyler Eifert's always injured. He's had nothing to play with. When he gets to Dallas, to me, he gives you all a viable option as a backup. Um, and in a way, yeah, he probably does put pressure on Dak. In a way, it's like, hey, we can actually hold out this year. Like, if you, if you, mm-hmm. we can, we can play the season without you if we have to. Just like a, just like a Melvin Gordon did in in yeah. uh, Los Angeles with Austin Eckler, you know he held out, and they did just fine with the backup. I think Andy Dalton presents you guys with an option as, you know, we can move on from Dak, and I think he's I think having that O line and having a pocket passer is just as good at having as having Dak as a mobile as a mobile quarterback. Jeez. Well, like so with the whole Dak contract thing, you know, if he wants that money, like we're obviously franchise tagging him this year. If he wants that money this is the year to earn it because you have, I mean, because in the past, I think he was handicapped by the offense because we were so fucking predictable. We were going to run it on first down. We were going to try a short pass on second down. We were going to run it on third and short and probably get stuff. That was how it was going to go because we were so predictable. But now that he's got, you know, a new thing coming in, I think this is his time to earn that money. And if he plays well, I have no problem with Jerry's like, here's your check. That's fine. I have no problem with it. 
But like I said, if, if he sucks, then, you know, it's time to have a conversation. And I think Andy Dalton actually isn't a bad guy to bring in for that. Dude, I'm telling I you. Just, All right, I just think $40 million a year is completely unreasonable to me. I mean, you can't expect somebody to take that deal with, like Sandy was saying earlier, if you're going to lose out on other positions, it's like, yeah, you might have your quarterback locked down, but you're really not building your team any more than playing with an Andy Dalton. Here's what I would want to know, Pookie, is what is the structure of Amari Cooper's contract? Because if you can somehow front load some of it, um, you pick up CeeDee Lamb in the draft, do I make that contract any more appealing to anybody else out there who might want to take him on? Because I've got Gallup and, uh, and uh, Lamb now, and maybe I can go get – next year's wide receiver class is loaded too. I can go get another. But to me, Zeke's deal and Amari's deal separately hurt the Cowboys – when you add the pressure to put Dak in there too, you're tying up so much cap space. And to me, you've got, I think honestly, in hindsight, the way the league's trending, you would go back and rescind Zeke's contract because paying running backs doesn't always work out. Gage, to be fair to you, I don't think he's the best running back in the league, but he's earned, I mean, he's right there. He's fantastic. It gives you an option uh, running it and catching out of the backfield. But, we've always said on the show paying running backs doesn't always work out, but Cooper, I thought they overstepped a little bit for him a hundred million for what, five years. You can't, can't keep all three. To me, I can get rid of Cooper because I just brought in lamb after this year. If someone wants to take on that contract, Jacksonville would be a place I'd be looking at just because they always take on these bad dudes. Not, he's not bad, bad, you know, if I had to pick an order to lose them all, I would lose. I would want to lose Amari first because wide receivers are the easiest to replace. Then I would want to lose Dak because, you know, the league is loaded with quarterback talent right now. Next year's draft is going to be a good good quarterback year. Um, and then I would I, – I would say for third, Zeke, but I, I wouldn't give up Zeke, at least right now. Drew, do you hear – are those fire trucks, Drew? Are those fire trucks? <laughs> that is <laughs> I think it, I think it's just Pookie. <laughs> Dude. I mean, yeah, that's a that's a that's a very hot take. I think a lot of people people would rather give up uh, Zeke before Dak just for the sole purpose of the longevity of a quarterback over a running back. But I mean, being living in Dallas, people do love Zeke here, and I mean, yeah. he is one of the driving forces. You know, with the whole feed Zeke and the whole jumping in the Salvation Army bowl. Like he, he's been eating. Yeah, he's he's, he's really big here in Dallas, and they, and they love him here. Um, so I mean, I I get it, but I also think you know that's it's one of those things where it's like you're taking someone who you know after his contract's done, he his career might be over. Not saying that I don't I want it to be over or anything like that. That's just that's just how long running backs last. They you know they last as long as all of us in bed, but um you know it's it's not very long. Uh, so you know, quarterbacks are, quarterbacks usually stay longer and, uh, you know, they, they can grow from being mobile to being more of a pocket presser as their, as their career goes on. Pookie's offended by that. <laughs> Pookie's the only one that didn't laugh. <laughs> I was like, speak for yourself, chump. <laughs> <laughs> I, hey, I like Kellen Moore though. I, I'm a big fan of Kellen Moore and I think the play calling did get better when he was there. Gage, honestly, I think there were times where, I thought Jason Garrett may have taken over the play calling. I thought maybe he was getting fed up with some of the way they were doing and, and he took over. I thought the there were times where the play action game looked really good last year for y'all. Um, and I think a lot of that was Kellen Moore. 
so I was really happy that he was retained. I, I think that I don't know when I when he was at Boise State, I just saw he was a genius and he's always been smart. So I, I want to see what he can do. In that well, the thing the thing I'm looking for out of the Cowboys this year is I want to see more of the read option because for I mean in the first place it's the most unstoppable play in football. If you have two dudes that can run it, it's it's unstoppable. When you have Lamar Jackson, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And but like you know, Dak may not have that Lamar Jackson speed, but he he's definitely that big. And I'm not saying run the read option on our own thirty. I mean like if you get inside the twenty-five, uh, and you're that close to the end zone, run the read option. You're probably going to get you know six to ten yards on it if you run it right. And it's, I mean, it's on, you know, we would do that. I remember I, I counted how many times we ran it, like, in a couple games last year. I think I never got above, like, three, which is crazy to me that, you know, because it worked so well every time we did. You know, you see teams run it on the goal line, and the quarterback will just walk into the end zone. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when you have a quarterback that's as big and as physical as Dak, because Dak, Dak will put his body out there and not be afraid to do it. And, you know, if you need a touchdown and you're, you know, within the 25, he'll go get it for you if he runs it. And so that's that's the big play that I'm really hoping that we implement more this year is, you know, the read option type of stuff. I also want to talk you know, about me when he said he puts his body out there for next to nothing. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Pookie, you wanted to bring up the linebackers. You like them a lot. Yeah, I was – I'm really – infatuated with the Cowboys linebacking core with Vander Esch, Jalen Smith, and Sp- uh, Sean Lee. He's just Spike Lee. <laughs> yeah, Spike Lee playing linebacker for the Cowboys. Uh, I think that all three of them are very impressive and that they should be talked about more as an elite linebacking core. I know Sean Lee is a little bit older, but you still have two young guys in Smith and Vander Esch that are physical, fast linebackers, can cover in space. They can pretty much do anything that you ask them to. And my my whole thing with them is that, like, why aren't they talked about as one of the elite linebacking cores, and how come they haven't transformed the Cowboys into an elite defense? I think it's because when you see, you know, these great teams that are going, you know, 12-4 and four and 13-3, and three, it's because they have these great defenses. And when you have a 13-3 and three or a 12-4 and four record, people can be like, you know, that defense is great. They've only lost four games. They're giving up X amount of points. But, like, you know, when you have an 8-8 eight and eight team like the Cowboys, the defense, I mean, suffers because, you know, they're giving up, you know, it, they have eight losses, their defense is trash, that kind of thing. But I do, like, so the new Cowboys DC, what's his name, Mike, uh, Mike Norville, Something like that. That's a Florida State's head coach. But. Yeah, yeah, not, not him. Um, the new DC. He he wants to flip it. I think the Cowboys ran a four three traditionally this last year, and now I think the the guy they're bringing in runs a three four. Mike Nolan. Which, yeah, Mike Nolan. Yeah, should be. Chris so I think he, it should have been Chris Richard. I do agree. I think he runs a three four, and if you run a three four, you need really athletic outside linebackers. And I think at this point in Sean Lee's career, he doesn't have that athletic edge anymore. And I, I mean, he, I mean, the man really, if you, if they really wanted to keep Sean Lee on the field, they could move him to interior and then maybe put, you know, Van Der Esch and Jalen Smith on the outside because they're young and they can run. Cause you know, y'all, y'all watch games. You've seen how they run sideline to sideline. 
I think they could do really well in that. But for a while now, I've thought ever since Sean Lee started getting hurt, you know, every other game that he played, I thought it was time for him to pick up a headset and, you know, coach the line. Because I think he would be a great – I think he would be a great linebackers coach. Because, you know, he may get hurt, but he definitely knows the position really well. We saw that on All or Nothing on the Amazon series. I thought he was really good there. Yeah, I was going to mention that, you know, on All or Nothing, when he was hurt, they showed they showed um, him – pretty much interacting as a coach with some of those uh, younger linebackers and Jalen Smith and Layden Vander Esch. I thought, Gage, I was for sure. I was texting uh, Blake throughout the draft, especially when, like, CeeDee Lamb kept falling. I kept asking him, what, what are you thinking here? What are you thinking? And he said, CeeDee Lamb, CeeDee Lamb. I was for sure going into the draft. I thought y'all were going – I thought you were going Xavier McKinney. I thought you were going safety. Um, I mean, yeah, like, for sure. I definitely – Going in, like like I said, I, I definitely wanted a DB. I thought that was top priority for us because we, you know, the Cowboys. We have a lot of as deep defensive back turnover, and there's really no reason for it because it's not like the NFC East is like loaded with receivers, and so there's really no reason for us to be that bad at defensive back. And so I definitely thought, you know, a safety or a great corner would you know really boost it for because I. As far as the cow, because you know the hot boys are going to get theirs. The D line is pretty damn is pretty damn good. The linebacking core is pretty damn good, but it's always been the DBs that suffered. If I was an opposing OC playing against the Cowboys, I I probably wouldn't run the ball. I'd throw it all game long, and just wear the DBs out because they're 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 bad. They're they're trash. And so getting a DB I thought was the top priority coming in. But like you know like I said, if CD Lamb's there, you can't pass CD Lamb up. Yeah. I mean, I think you guys had a top cornerback in Byron Jones and you let him walk. But again, that's the whole money restrictions on whether you want to play Dak and they had to pay Cooper this year and everything. But getting someone Byron, like a, Byron Jones couldn't cover a tight end 30 yards down the field. I'm glad his ass walked. It hey, cost me a fucking playoff game. He was still regarded as one of the top tight ends in the league right now. So losing someone like that, I think is pretty, pretty big for y'all. But getting someone like a Diggs in the second round from Alabama, I think was really big. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, you know, you can't really go wrong because you know where where do the best DBs come out of? You SEC. know, Alabama, Alabama, Ohio State. You know, places like that. You can't disrespect LSU. You have to say LSU, DBU. I mean, yeah, LSU for sure. Like you, I mean, I, I was gonna leave it at that because you said the SEC. True, true. But, but like, I mean, yeah, these guys come in and they're willing to learn. And, you know, the, the game of football is definitely transitioning to throw the damn ball, especially in college. Like, college, it's already there. The NFL is playing catch-up. So, these guys, you know, their ceilings – the talent ceiling is going to go through the roof in the next couple of years for sure. I, I will say having a, having a DB's coach like Chris Richard uh, coming from Seattle when he, when he was there at the Legion of Boom and then coming to Dallas now, even with mediocre guys, you're, they played above their talent level just because of him. Uh, and so I think I, – I was personally surprised when he didn't get the D.C. job because he was already there. He was established with the with the Seahawks before, and he came to Dallas and really made a difference on a av below-average defense and made him, you know, a slightly above average, at least at the D.B. stance. Um, but I think having someone like him uh, on your coaching staff really allows for mediocre guys to play better than what they are. I, I agree. I was actually – I was very surprised – 
I was surprised at a lot of the coaching hires, um, honestly, because I didn't expect Mike McCarthy to get the job. I thought, um, who was Denver's OC? Um, I can't forget. I can't remember his name. I thought he was going to get the job. Um, and so Mike McCarthy was a surprise to me. And then Chris Richard not getting the DC job was also a big surprise to me. I definitely thought that he, that, you know, he was a shoe in for it. Cause you know, Rob Marinelli says that he's the DC, but he, I mean, he will publicly say, he will be the first to tell you that Chris Richard runs the defense. And so I, I you know, I, I think it'll be really hard. You know, we talk about it'll be hard to retain Dak, Amari, and Zeke. I think it's going to be hard to retain Chris Richard. Agreed. It's like Belichick's assistants get poached. Like Brian Flores, it was a matter of time before he got poached. So, and all them, it's hard. And, yeah, Richard does seem like the kind of guy that will be gone in a few years. See, I honestly, I think Jason Garrett did him a disservice. And not, not in a direct way. I think it was indirect. Because if you know we're all football guys, we can tell the difference between a good coach and a bad coach. I think for the most part, we can all say that Jason Garrett's a bad coach. And so if you know, if we on this podcast can see that, I'm sure the guys that get paid millions of dollars to wear the headsets on Sunday can see it too. So maybe you know they're a little less willing to hire a guy whose pedigree is mainly you know with Jason Garrett for most of his career, like Chris Richard. Even if he was with the Legion of Boom in Seattle, being with Jason Garrett and going eight and eight every other year probably doesn't do you a whole lot of favors. Winning coordinators do tend to get the jobs. Exactly. Yeah. Hey, listen here, Gage. I know your team is probably one of the most mediocre teams in the league so how does it always feel coming out and always having these mediocre seasons right after you know season after season season after season and with all these high hopes how does that feel uh out fucking standing because we're we're the best team in our division and we're gonna win the fucking super bowl every year you're not you can't talk shit drew you're not even the best team in your division this year we are my god this year we are not as long as Deshaun Watson is on the fucking Texans, you are not. Yikes. He doesn't know much about the Texans then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. Pookie, to me, it seems like he's got it flipped because I feel like I can make a better argument for the Eagles being a better team and I can make a case for the Colts being the best team in the South. So, I don't know. No way. Those are a better team. The Eagles are the best team in the NFC East by far. Yeah, that's big cap. If they're that's healthy, what the kids call it. Hey, if the Cowboys are healthy too, they lost Vander Esch last year, and they lost Sean Lee, and they were not great on defense, and it really killed them. All I'm all I'm saying is year in year out, all I hear is in Dallas is we're going to the Super Bowl, we're winning, we're winning this, we're winning that, and then they come out with an eight and eight year. How does that feel every year? I mean, it's not fun, and it hasn't been fun ever since 2008 when Jason Garrett's bitch at ginger ass took over. And so, you know, I've, I've fought through it. It's really hard. It's been really hard being a Cowboys fan for the last 11 years. And so I've I fought through it. I've sat through eight and eight seasons for 13 and three seasons just to get bounced by the fucking Green Bay Packers. Speaking of NFC East, man, who, who, who do you have winning it this year? So in order, 
I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with the Cowboys. Then I'm gonna go with see this part. Uh, the Giants are gonna be last. Um, that's for sure. I'm gonna I have I have the Cowboys oh. first. The Giants last. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> time for the second bet. And yeah, then, you want to put that on record, my friend? <laughs> yeah, I will. I, I do. Th- I think the Redskins will be better than the Giants this year. You're smoking dick. <laughs> I think it'll probably be Cowboys, Eagles, Redskins, Giants. Cowboys Ew. go. Cowboys go ten and six. Eagles go nine and seven. Redskins go five and eleven. Giants go four and twelve. So, so with the Eagles going nine seven, do you have two teams coming out of the NFC East of the playoffs, or do you just have the Cowboys? Um, I think I don't think so because I think the Bucks will be the wild card out of the NFC South. Mm-hmm. And then I think the Rams will probably be the wild card. Think about it. no San Francisco or Seattle. One of those is a wild card already. You yeah, they're a, they're a lock. Yeah, that's a lock. Oh, that, that's true. That's true. I think San Francisco will win the division. I bet Seattle comes out as the wild card. That's that's yeah. But you're but right. you know this year that they're having seven teams, so that way there'll be three wild card teams. That's the oh yeah, you're right. If that's the case, I do. I guess the Eagles will make it, but you know, if they're nine and seven, I think Seattle will probably be have a better record. I'm sure Tampa Bay will probably have a better record. So that means they're probably that means they're playing. Who who would they play first round then? They would play division leader, either the second, third, or fourth seed. So they'd play either the winner of one of the three divisions depends on who you have as in the number one. So if you have like the saints at the number one or the Niners, then they either play the NFC North winner, the NFC um, South or West winner. And then they, I mean, they probably wouldn't play the NFC East winner, but maybe. Yeah. So they would probably play either the saints or the 49ers. And I don't think they win either one of those games. I mean, if Jameis is quarterback in the saints, maybe you have a shot, which is, Oh, that 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 town would be crazy to play James Winston. It it, it may not be up to uh, Sean Payton on that one, Gage. I don't know. Things are getting crazy. <laughs> what I would say is, do not sleep on the Falcons, um, Cardinals, the Rams. I mean, even the Cardinals. So I feel like Drew Gage. You probably think- didn't hear this, but Drew said he thinks the West and the South have a better chance of getting three teams in the playoffs than the East does, too. I mean, I would probably agree with that. The NFC East has been a doormat for the entire 2010s. Remember, and, remember, do you, do, you know, when y'all were watching football from 2000 to 2010, do you remember, like, on Sunday Night Football when um, – oh, my God, I can't remember either one of their names off the top of my head. Um, the I'll guys who do – say that again? Who? The guys who do uh, Sunday Night Football on NBC, okay, Al Michaels, so the, the Al Michaels and Chris Collins. Yeah. Yeah. Do y'all do y'all remember them being like the NFC East is the best division in football? 
Yeah. You know, it's, it's the most, and then, you know, it hits 20, it hits like 2011 and we're trash. We're terrible. <laughs> and hey, we, but, now, I mean, we went from the penthouse to the outhouse in three years. It's, it's horrible. But my, but my bet was solely on the fact that the Eagles would get in out of the NFC East. The Cowboys would be, be outside looking in. I don't know if nine and seven gets you in necessarily. Uh, it'd be tough. If nine and seven gets you in, you have to have a tiebreaker over another team in a division, either an outright win or, you know, some, however they do the tiebreakers. I don't know how they do them anymore because of the whole new thing. But um, that's the only way I see a nine and seven team getting in is if another nine and seven team uh, from another division has a similar record and they have them out, out beat. I mean, it's really hard for me to have like a full formulated opinion because I don't know because, you know, whether or not people want to admit it, coaching does matter. And so I really, it's really hard for me to have a full fledged formulated opinion on how the Cowboys will do specifically versus division opponents with a whole new coaching staff. Because I, I don't know how Mike's going to approach. Because Jason Garrett, I feel like, went in the game saying, like, we're going to do our thing and we're not going to make shit adjustments. We're not going to adjust a damn thing. And so depending on what Mike does and how, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm putting a lot of stock into the coaching changes. So if things go different, that's great. It's awesome. We do better because, you know, coaching is different. But if not, you know, then it's time. Then, then we got to check out the players and what the hell is going on. All right, Gage, we're running out of time here on the show. Uh, but we have time for one last question. And we're going to uh, we're going to go outside of football. And we're going to include some basketball in this one. OK. In your opinion, who is more likely to be a Hall of Famer when it's all said and done? Ezekiel Elliott? Or Luka Doncic? Luka Doncic. And maybe because, you know, as much as I love the Cowboys, I love the Mavs more. I love the Cowboys more so because it pisses all my friends off and it pisses the world off because we're the team. We're the Lakers of the NFL. We're the team everybody loves to hate, which, you know, it, it's fine by me. I love being on, on, that, on that side. But I love the Mavs out of the pure goodness of my heart. And – so, yeah, I do think Luca will be a Hall of Famer. I'm sure they'll both be. I bet they both are. But I'm sure Luca will be, you know, the more decisive, I guess, is the way to put it. All righty. That'll do it for this episode of Splitting Uprights. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can find us on YouTube at Splitting Uprights. You can also find us on Twitter using our Twitter handle at Splitting Ups. That's S-P-L-I-T-T-I-N-U-P-S. There we try to push out as much Twitter content as possible, including our daily poll question. We will also be posting the link to each individual episode on Twitter, and you can find the link to our main podcast page in our bio. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.